Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the MLB Extras Braves podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our Braves reporter Mark Bowman here at MLB.com. And Mark, we're going to get into the infield, break it down as we're going to start our position-by-position breakdowns between now and the beginning of spring training. So we'll start with the infield, which seems pretty much set. So that's a good place where not a, not a whole lot can change between now and opening day. Before we get to that, though, there are some kind of news and notes I wanted to cover arbitration the deadline was one o'clock today as we record this on friday afternoon so we haven't gotten all the information but kind of the key guys we can talk about and um, i also wanted to talk about the grievance that the braves won Um, it was filed by the players association for carter stewart who was the braves first round pick back uh, last june the braves ended up not reaching an agreement with stewart after they discovered some stuff in his wrist they weren't really thrilled with with the physicals Um, And then Carter Stewart basically filed a grievance. He said the Braves didn't offer the 40% of the slot that they have to. The Braves end up winning the grievance. The important thing, though, right from this, Mark, is that the Braves will continue to hold the number nine pick in this year's draft after taking Stewart eighth a year ago. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's that's been the question dating back to last summer when the the grievance was filed um, or maybe even going all the way back to. Um, when they had announced that he had, hadn't reached an agreement there. Um, this was something that, that popped up soon after the, you know, he, Carter Stewart was selected. He, if, just kind of give you a brief over, overview for those who aren't familiar with him. You know, he was a high school pitcher from Florida. There, Everyone lauded about, you know, how great his curveball was. And <clears throat> a week or two after the draft, it, the Braves did their uh, – the medical review and, and, and find that, uh, you know, they have some concerns about the risk. The, the, the slot value was four, around $4.8 million. Um, all the Braves had to do to ensure that they were going to get compensation for that, for Stewart not signing was to offer at least 40% of that, uh, which ac- accounted for about $1.9 million. Uh, they did, their top offer was $2 million. Stewart, right before, you know, going right down to the deadline, dropped his final request down to $3.7 million. But it, an agreement wasn't reached. And, and now you, you look ahead towards uh, now that this grievance is uh, in the rearview mirror. Uh, you look ahead, the Braves now have the ninth and 21st pick uh, coming up in, in this upcoming year's draft. So, um, you know, they, they are positioned well again for the second time in – I think, or maybe third or fourth time in the last, uh, you know, five years, I believe it is. This They have at least four uh, picks within the top 100. Yeah, it's a good spot to be in. It's obviously a loaded minor league system, and it gives them a chance to add some players, I guess, to the lower levels probably because when you look at all the talent in that system, all the guys on the pipeline top 100, they're kind of rising up into the upper levels, so it's always good to have it balanced throughout the system, so another nice chance for the Braves to add to that here in 2019. All right, arbitration I mentioned, and some of the Braves have, we already know, have reached agreements. Um, A couple key ones I think that are, not newsworthy because you know these guys are probably going to come to deals, but but just interesting. Fulton avoids arbitration, as does Vizcaino. Yeah, th- these are probably the two most noteworthy, no doubt about it. You have Fulton last year. Everyone knows what he went through. You know, as a 
the Braves, as every other team now is, the Braves have been for a few years, a file and trial team. So last year when they were offering $2.2 million and Fulte was requesting two point three, it seemed silly for, you know, them to go to a hearing, but, you know, to, to stick to, you know, to the strict adherence to that policy, um, you know, that the, the hearing took place, uh, the Braves ended up winning. So, you know, for a, a difference of a hundred thousand dollars, you know, everyone went through that, that heartache, you know, extra work, legal costs, travel, all, you know, everything that that's, people do not like about the arbitration process. Um, and this year they, they reached an agreement very quickly. He's making $5.475 million, more than doubles his salary, uh, coming off what was a great year. And, and I think that, you know, this is one of those, you don't want to just absolutely say that, that you want to give in to the player who has had a great year, but at the same time, it's nice to reward him and say, Hey, that, you know, you earn this. There's no reason to worry coming into camp. Go ahead and build on what you did last year. There's a, there's a comfort. There's some added comfort there. Uh, with Vizcaino, the interesting thing is, you know, here's a guy who missed the second, most of the second half of last year. We don't know exactly how durable his shoulder is going to be. Um, can he handle, you know, a regular uh, schedule, relief schedule over the entirety of a season? Um, yeah, Braves – the Braves will find out. I don't know if you can figure that out in spring training, but if there is any concern in spring training, we have to remember that all arbitration deals are non-guaranteed, meaning that if, if a player is released at any point during spring training, the team is responsible to pay just a prorated portion of that salary. If it's if the player is released on the 16th day or before of, of spring training, you're only responsible for 30 days worth of um, – or 30 days termination pay there. If it's any time after that, the team is responsible for 45 days worth of pay. Um, so basically, let, let, let's say you get to beyond that 16th day, you start getting concerned. Yeah, there, there's the Braves are taking a, a gamble of about 1.16 uh, million on this guy, you know, by bringing him to camp. But um, you know that they look at what the, they looked at what they had when it came time to tender guys' contracts. And, you know, hey, a healthy this guy, you know, you put him with A.J. Metter, whoever's the closer, you got a good eighth, ninth inning mix there. They felt more comfortable going this route than maybe paying some of the the uh, paying for the cost that, that it would take to to sign some of the top relievers this year. That's, this doesn't mean that they're absolutely not going to sign Craig, Craig Kimball if his market crumbles and he gets to a point where he says, I'm going to take a one year deal in Atlanta, you know, for X amount of dollars. Uh, but for right now, the Braves needed some insurance. So they go in ahead and tendered Viz and, and they've given him this four, $4.8 million salary. If he's on the opening day roster, that's what he's going to earn. If there's problems in spring training, um, the Braves do have the, the option to, to release him and, and pay just a portion of that salary. So probably a gamble worth taking as far as Vizcaino goes. All right, let's get into the infield for this Atlanta Braves team because that's where they've made one of their big additions this offseason, and it's a talented group coming back. There's depth on the bench. There's prospects on the way. It's a, it's a good time as far as looking at an infield for the Atlanta Braves. Let's start with the new guy. So we'll start over at the hot corner. Josh Donaldson, obviously a key piece that this team 
This team needs Donaldson to add some pop in the middle of the lineup, and Donaldson needs to reestablish himself going into what will be another free agent year in a year because it's a one-year deal. It's a match made in heaven, right, Mark? Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those. I was I was answering a question here uh, in an inbox that's going up today about AJ Pollock last night. And you you know you kind of you're formulating your thoughts and you say you know when you get, have a player who's been injured in the past. Um, you know, the team has some concerns about giving that multi-year deal, but at the same time, that player, you know, they want that insurance of the multi-year deal. So it's, it works both ways right there. But, but with Donaldson, um, you know, you had a guy who grew up in Florida, Alabama, who loved the Braves. Um, he still lives in this area. He has a connection with Alex Anthopoulos. So that worked for the one-year deal. And, it, and to put him over there, yeah, now all of a sudden you have MVP, legit MVP candidates at both of your corner infield positions with Donaldson at third and Freddie Freeman at first base. Um, it, you know, it, it, this is – I'm interested to see exactly how frequently, um, you know, Johan Camargo is utilized in each of these infield positions. But um, I do expect to see him – you know, spell Ozzy Albies at second, Dansby Swanson at short, and, and Donaldson and Freeman, you know, both will, will get some some days off um, as well. So I, I think Camargo and Charlie Culberson both uh, provide some of that depth that this team did not have, um, especially last year, um, that allows for, for guys to, to, to get some more time off. And I think that will benefit, you know, not only Donaldson, but, but Freddie Freeman as well because – and I wrote something earlier this week about, you know, let's not say his power is gone, it, it, but it, it did decline last year. And it has declined since he broke his first was fractured. Um, you know, providing him more frequent days off might allow him to to continue to preserve strength in that wrist. Um, you know, it's, and, it, and maybe it's not just the wrist. Maybe it's the body, a guy who has been committed to playing every day. It's, it's nice to be able to, to be given a break and, you know, you, you look at what you have right there in the middle infield positions with, you know, Dansby Swanson and, and Ozzy Albies. You have two above average defenders. Um, with Dansby, I think the exciting thing is to to see if he can get back to where he was in April of last year. There's always been a lot of talk about there's this guy can handle the inside fastball. Um, he struggled, you know, against anything on the outer third, especially something that's moving. Um, we saw some some make some progress, you know, against those pitches early last year, and then his wrist became a problem. He had wrist surgery um, this off season, and and now, you know, from what I understand, he's he's been healthy. He's been working with a, you know, a hitting instructor, and and has seemed to be pleased with, you know, the, the health of the wrist. I'm, you know, I think Braves fans should be excited about the, you know, just a chance to to see what kind of progress he can make because we. We saw some early signs last year of encouragement, and then all of a sudden the risk became a problem. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly didn't produce as he um, – he didn't make that progress last year that, that you were expecting um, from what he did in 2017. I remember talking to you in Orlando last year during spring training about Swanson, and the big question going into last season was – is this guy going to be what he's supposed to be? Or is it, is at some point, will this team need to kind of 
give up on Dansby Swanson. Then he had the nice start you mentioned, and, he, and I think he proved briefly there that he was going to be that guy. Too bad with the injuries that he didn't get to prove it for a full year. But it still feels like while last year was a huge year for Swanson, it's almost like the same thing this year with maybe a few less question marks. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing is he, he went from a guy who, you know, did not rate real well defensively in 2017. Um, you know, an, another year with Ron Washington certainly helped. There was some better positioning. You know, I, I think we saw that across the board. We've talked about that in the past, about how much the the new, you know, the advanced analytical approach that, you know, Alex Anthopoulos brought to, the Braves system, how much that helped Nick Marquette as well. It, it certainly aided um, Dansby Swanson as well. You, there were, the team was concerned, you know, especially, you know, some of the members of, of Alex's staff who hadn't had a chance to be around Dansby last year, they come into the system, they look at the numbers, the defensive metrics, and they say, you know, I don't know if this guy can play short. Well, you know, by the end of last year, he ranked right there among the, the top defensive shortstops in the game. If once you look at some of those same metrics, so like I said, a lot of that credit has to go to you know the the work that Dansby put in. You know, uh, the tutelage provided by Ron Washington, and just uh, and and then some of that also has to be attributed to the you know the, the analytics that that uh, that the Braves brought in. But to put him there. Um, the, the the big question mark is with with Ozzy Albies now is can he build on what he did during the first half of last year second half of last year you know the the concern has always been about his approach or his mechanics more uh, from the left side of the plate and he got out of kilter and uh, just struggled throughout the, those last few months last year so they they need some more consistency from him. You take a step back and remember he's just 21 years old. So um, he was a guy who made an all-star team last year. There's no reason he can't he can't uh, duplicate what he did, like I said, during the first half of last year. But, you know, he's going to have to, to show a little bit more discipline. And he also admitted to the, the Braves near the end of last year that he was tired. You know, that, that, that uh, influenced his struggles. So the chance to get some more days off uh, – uh, could also benefit him. He carried the team at times early in the season, ended up hitting for power, 24 homers. He drove in 72 runs, 40 doubles as well. The only thing when you look at the stat line that caught up with him late in the year is the batting average dipped to 261 by year's end and the on-base percentage at 305. But if he's tired, you get back on track. Now, is any of the concern with Albies, Mark, that the pitchers figured him out, so to speak, because that's something that happens. Obviously, the adjustments by the pitcher, then the adjustments by the hitter. And if pitchers did figure him out a little bit, does he know what he needs to adjust to, to counteract that? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, you know, when you look at Albies, it really wasn't hard to, to realize he was he's swinging at basically anything that comes out of that pitcher's hand. There, there needs to be <laughs> more discipline there. Um you know, all of a sudden you, you start chasing and pitchers start throwing stuff out of the zone. Early in the count, you find yourself behind. Um, you know, you, you just don't find yourself in, in hitters' counts. Um, so the, I think that's the biggest thing is, yeah, there, there are some ma- mechanical changes that have to be made there from the left side. Just need to be a little bit more disciplined there. But I think more more importantly is – 
he has to be a little bit more patient. You don't want to take the, you know, completely take the aggression away from an aggressive player, but at the same time, uh, there has to be just a little bit more discipline um, with his plate approach. And, and I think if, if you start to see that, um, here's a guy, he, he can catch up with anybody's fastball. You know, he handles breaking balls pretty well. I, I think, you know, mo- mainly what it was with pitchers uh, figuring him out was, hey, look, you, you know, you, you can get him to chase early in the count, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you're going to have the advantage, you know, throughout the rest of the uh, played appearance, but you know the the one thing that, that stands out, you know, with that was, you know, here, here's a guy that was aggressive from the right side and the left side. From the, if you look at what he did, you know, from the right side of the plate um, during the second half of the season, he still was quite productive. So, um, you know, just just entering this year, being 22 years old, another year under your belt, um, a little bit more patience, probably be the. The, the most beneficial uh, improvement uh, uh, Albies could make this year. You mentioned the bench, Camargo and Culberson. That's a nice two guys to have there. Culberson, a bit of a Swanson lookalike last year. Um, but then one more guy I wanted to touch on was the next level, which is the prospects. And we thought maybe 2019 would be the year where Austin Riley kind of came up and could be a factor for this team. And maybe with injuries, that's still possible. But obviously the Donaldson signing takes the pressure off of Austin Riley. So what does Riley have to get done this season? And, can we assume that we'll at least see him in September? I think so. I mean, or unless he gets traded before then. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, I mentioned that. I joked, you know, there was a – I joked earlier this week that I was going to mention JT Rio Muto's name in every inbox the rest of the I saw that, yep. And uh, – <laughs> You just did on the podcast. We yeah. should make that a podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah exactly. The uh, – the, there was a fan that said, I dare you to include his name in this. Well, is there a chance that Austin Riley plays left field? And, I, of course, I jumped at the opportunity to say not unless – not if he gets traded to the Marlins in exchange for real music. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I, Riley's in a very interesting position. I mean, he – yeah, I mean, Donaldson's there. You, you, you don't expect if, if you – you know, the expectation is you probably won't see Riley until – uh, September. Um, but at the same time, we all know, you know, injuries occur throughout the year. You also want to provide, you know, yourself plenty of depth. So if they're going to give Riley some, some reps out in the outfield, uh, during spring training, that doesn't mean we're going to see him there. You know, Mike, I, I'm sure there, there have been less, uh, mobile outfielders out there. Uh, let, let's put it, you know, the Braves played Ryan Klesko out there for a few years. So um, I, I just don't expect to – you shouldn't expect to see Austin Riley out there on a regular basis. But, hey, look, if the guy goes down there and he's hitting and you have to find a place for him in the lineup, yeah. I mean, there, there's a chance that, that he comes up and, uh, as an outfielder at some point this year. Uh, he's he's a solid backup, you know, option if if Donaldson would would happen to get hurt at any point during this season and as you look forward um you know he's a guy that that you can look forward to possibly becoming a, a key piece of your lineup as as early as 2020 another guy to keep an eye on for sure Austin Riley all right this has been great Mark thanks for your help as always you can find Mark on Twitter at MLB Bowman 
And my handle is MOB underscore McMaster. You can find all of our club podcasts at MOB.com backslash podcast. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play as well. This has been the MLB Extras Braves podcast from Mark Bowman. I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for checking us out.